Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchin as we kick off the series, Peace. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. How many of you grew up going to church on Palm Sunday and were given a palm branch as you entered the sanctuary or auditorium? I think I remember my home church celebrating Palm Sunday, but, but I'm not sure I ever got a palm branch. Why do we even call this Palm Sunday? Well, not long after one of Jesus' most incredible miracles, bringing his friend Lazarus back to life, he is on his way to Jerusalem, where he knows that soon he will be arrested and crucified. He asked two of his disciples to go ahead of him into the village where near the entrance they would see a donkey, and he tells them to untie the donkey and bring it to him. And sure enough, just as Jesus said, as they enter the village, they see this donkey, and they untie it, bring it to Jesus, and throw their garments over it for him to ride on. This was all happening right around the time of the Passover, so huge numbers of people were in Jerusalem. Imagine a holiday parade on July 4th. And as Jesus rides this donkey into the city, crowds gather and spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And then John gives us this detail. He says a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Just imagine people waving these branches and shouting or singing in support of Jesus as he rides the donkey through the city. And yet, as we remember this Sunday before Easter, I would like to suggest that rather than this palm branch, a better symbol to commemorate this day might be this wheel. Now, I know that might sound crazy, but stay with me and I'll explain. If we take a deeper look at Luke's account of what happened on this day, we see a stark contrast between the emotions of the crowd and what Jesus was feeling. Most everyone was celebrating. Jesus was not. Jesus was weeping. And it's not as if his eyes are a little red or moist from emotion. He's not just tearing up a bit as he approaches the city. The image Luke portrays is that Jesus is sobbing so deeply he can hardly speak. And as he looks out over the city, he finally controls himself enough to utter these words. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus laments over Jerusalem. We don't often think of Jesus in this manner, crying, weeping, grieving. He knew he would not be well-received in the city. He knew that in a matter of days, the very people who welcomed him like a hero would reject him like a criminal. This city of all cities where crowds gathered to worship God would soon put God to death. They would fail to understand that Jesus was the path to true peace. They just couldn't see it. I can't help but wonder how our king weeps over our cities, like Chicago. Our city, wherein 
2022, over 600 people were victims of homicide, where racism continues to hold its tight grip. Our city, where, where far too many children can't get an adequate education and where countless churches have closed their doors and untold numbers of people have yet to find their way back to God. We may not live in the city, but let's not ever forget the impact and influence the city has on all of us. And just like Jesus, we should lament what we see and remain undeterred in our efforts to bring the peace of Jesus to our city. For Jesus longs to bring us peace. On Palm Sunday, we often mimic the crowd celebration as we, we wave palm branches and, and prepare to celebrate Easter. But maybe we should be paying attention to Jesus' tears. Author Jason Porterfield writes, at the start of Holy Week, more than anything else, Jesus longed for his admirers to know how he makes peace. Clearly, this was no trivial matter to Jesus. In fact, if his tear-filled eyes are any indication, making peace was his most fervent desire. If peace is at the center of the Palm Sunday story, what exactly is the peace that Jesus longs for us to experience? Well, Jesus developed his understanding of peace from the Hebrew scriptures. And the word in the Old Testament for peace is shalom. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Shalom is the way things ought to be, the way God intended things to be. It's a life where we experience flourishing relationships with God, with each other, and with the world. What around here we've been calling the U plus life. And that's why I think this wheel might be a better symbol for this Sunday than a palm. Sure, wheel Sunday doesn't have quite the same ring as Palm Sunday, but let me explain. Picture Shalom as this bike wheel. If you will look at a bike wheel, you'll notice that in the center is, is the hub of the wheel. And there are spokes connected to that hub that, that also connect in many places on the outside rim of the wheel. So let's say God is at the center of the wheel. And each individual spoke is the relationship that God has with all things in the universe, individual people, governments, and, and people groups. The wheel works best when all of the spokes are connected to God at the center. That's shalom, when the circle is unbroken. However, when we're not rightly related to God, it, it's like the spokes are, are broken. And if you have broken spokes in your wheel, sooner or later, it won't work properly. The spokes need to be repaired so that the wheel will continue to run smoothly. We could think about our individual lives in a similar way. Place yourself at the center of the wheel. Each spoke now represents your relationship to God, to other people, and to the world. Are you rightly related to them? If not, it's like a spoke is broken. There is a relationship in need of repair. Jesus came to repair what was broken, to bring healing and reconciliation. Jesus longs to bring shalom, to bring peace to our lives, and then to lead us in his way of peacemaking. For you see, when we let the shalom peace of God work in our lives, 
We can then extend that peace to all aspects, to, to every spoke of our lives, every person, every place. So, welcome to Wheel Sunday. Now, I want to pause for a moment and acknowledge that for some of us, maybe even many of us, this idea of this kind of peace is so far from our here and now that it's almost impossible to imagine experiencing it. Maybe right now you're experiencing a lack of shalom internally and externally. Maybe there is, a, is conflict and turmoil in your marriage or, or with a child or a parent. For some, maybe you can't wait for Saturday to come around just to give you a two-day break from the battles you wage at work Monday through Friday. For others, there is conflict with your neighbors or perhaps with someone you once considered a close friend. Or maybe the real conflict is, is right here. There is no inner peace. You feel the absence of peace due to anxiety or addiction or, or maybe it's a past mistake or an ongoing struggle with a sin pattern that you just can't seem to break. Let me assure you, you are not alone. And I also want you to know that just as Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, he weeps for you and wants nothing more than for you to experience the kind of lasting shalom peace that only he can bring. If you need peace today, my prayer for you are these words from, from the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus longs to bring you peace and then to lead you in his way of peacemaking. Let's spend the rest of our time together talking about how we can follow Jesus in his way of peacemaking. The very story of Palm Sunday, of how Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, teaches us how he goes about making peace. Let's quickly explore three lessons we can learn from the story of Palm Sunday and, and how these lessons can equip us to follow Jesus and be peacemakers ourselves. Here's lesson number one. Christ-like peacemakers move toward conflict. Jesus knew what was awaiting him in Jerusalem. He knew he would be facing something awful. In his account of Jesus' life, the historian Luke tells us that, that before Jesus set off on his trip to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Now, the 12 disciples still did not grasp what Jesus was talking about, but Jesus was perfectly clear about the conflict that was coming, and he was willing to move forward anyway. I don't know about you, but this is challenging to me, because when things get uncomfortable, I tend to move away from conflict. When there is tension in a relationship, rather than moving toward the conflict, I want to avoid the conflict. Does some of you do that too? And in that way, I can be more of a peace faker than a peace maker. 
I can be pretty adept at pretending nothing is wrong. Somehow I think if I just avoid it, then it won't be a problem anymore. Or maybe you're more of a peacekeeper. When there is a conflict, you desperately look for ways to change the subject. You think you're making peace by asking everyone, including yourself, to set aside emotions and differences and just get along. However, what you're really settling for is a false peace, a pretend peace. The conflict is still there, but it goes unaddressed. But as author Pete Scazzaro notes, true peacemaking, when understood correctly, actually comes through disrupting false peace. Jesus knew the conflict that was awaiting him in Jerusalem, and he didn't avoid it as a peace faker or settle for a false peace as a peacekeeper. No, as a peacemaker, he willingly moved toward that conflict. But maybe you're someone who doesn't shy away from conflict. Well, then the second lesson we learned from Palm Sunday might be doubly important for you. Lesson number two, Christ-like peacemakers assume a posture of humility. The way Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday reveals a lot about his character. The people were rightly celebrating him as a king, and yet he didn't enter the city in the way other triumphant kings would have entered. In fact, since it was the time of Passover, the Roman governor of the region, Pilate, would have also arrived in Jerusalem in order to maintain peace. You see, Passover was the the most sacred of all the Jewish festivals. Jewish people from far and wide would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the time when God delivered Israel from the oppressive rule of the Egyptians back in the days of Moses. But these celebrations also stirred up a lot of frustration as the Jewish people were now under the oppressive rule of Rome. Often, Jerusalem became a volatile place during Passover as these frustrations would would boil over into skirmishes and insurrections. So, Pilate would come to Jerusalem to maintain peace and order, and he would have brought a whole army in tow as a massive show of force. Picture a a a cavalry on horses, foot soldiers carrying weapons and banners and the sound of beating drums. When Pilate arrived in Jerusalem, he wanted to leave no doubt who was in charge. Now in contrast, picture Jesus. He arrives in Jerusalem on a donkey. No cavalry, no soldiers, no weapons, just a humble king on the back of a young colt. But make no mistake, he's still a king. By riding on a donkey, Jesus is making a statement about what kind of king he will be. He is the king that the prophet Zechariah spoke about when he declared, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey riding on a a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle and your king will bring peace to the nations. Jesus doesn't enter the city as a warrior king to conquer, but as a humble king bringing peace. If we are to follow Jesus in his way of peacemaking, we too have to enter into conflict with humility. 
We can't be looking to, to conquer or win arguments. Instead, we assume a posture of humility. I had to choose this not that long ago. I had gotten into an argument about an issue that I just don't see eye to eye on with another person. I certainly displayed my frustration in the conversation and then I left. But as soon as I got home, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit about how I was allowing our different perspectives to break the spoke of relationship between us. And so, even though I didn't want to, I drove back to where this person was and apologized for the way I had treated him earlier. Following Jesus in his way of peacemaking will challenge us to grow in humility. We have to remain open to where we made mistakes or might be wrong. We honor the other person's perspective and will. When we operate from a place of humility, the possibility of peace becomes much greater. There is one more lesson in peacemaking we can learn from Palm Sunday. Lesson number three, Christ-like peacemakers accept the cost of peace. Yes, making peace will cost us something. Think about the great peacemakers in the recent past. Peace cost Mother Teresa possessions and comfort. Peace cost Nelson Mandela 27 years in prison. Peace cost Malala her safety and her home. Peace cost Martin Luther King Jr. his life. Now, we may never be called to, to bring peace to the world on the scale of these great men and women, but we are all called to bring peace to the corners of the world where we reside. And, and make no mistake, peacemaking will cost us something. It will cost us comfort when we decide to have the, the difficult conversation rather than avoid it. It will cost us tears when we decide to forgive instead of retaliate. It might cost us our reputation when we choose to advocate on, on behalf of the poor or oppressed instead of turning a blind eye. It will certainly cost us our pride when we decide to humbly apologize. Peace costs Jesus the cross. The glory of Palm Sunday led to the agony of Good Friday where Jesus willingly paid the cost so that you and I could have peace with God. We follow a king who says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Yes, peace will cost us, but we can trust Jesus in his way of peacemaking for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, Jesus says, will save it. The way to flourishing wholeness, life, the way to shalom, the way to peace is through sacrifice. Over this next week, we will be remembering Good Friday and celebrating Easter. This entire coming weekend is all about how Jesus made peace. The Apostle Paul reminds us, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the peacemaker, brought us peace. So perhaps the best way we can honor Jesus as we prepare to remember and celebrate him is by joining him in his way of making peace. Where in your life are you feeling the lack of shalom? 
the lack of peace. What came to mind when I asked you earlier? Perhaps there's a, a relationship in your life with a family member, coworker, or friend that is broken and in need of repair. Perhaps there is a mistake you made that, that needs to be acknowledged and released. How could you honor Jesus this next week by following him in his way of peacemaking? Perhaps you need to move forward and address a conflict that you've been avoiding. Perhaps you need to humble yourself and seek understanding or forgiveness. Perhaps you need to be willing to surrender something you've been holding on to. I don't know what is happening in your life. I don't know what is coming to mind, but I do know this. Jesus wants you to flourish. He wants you to experience wholeness, shalom, peace. So what better way to honor him this Easter week than by following him in his way of peacemaking? Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are Jesus' own words. And he longs to lead us in his way of making peace. Just imagine what our world could look like if every spoke, every person, every community was living in peace with God and with each other. We would experience the relational and societal flourishing that Jesus longs to bring. This is shalom, life in the kingdom of God, the flourishing you plus life that God has for us. One day, when Jesus returns, that life will be fully ours. But until that day, let's follow Jesus in his way of peacemaking. Let's join him in bringing more of his kingdom to earth. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.